They say love is the strongest magnetic force on the planet Earth. But if this is really true, why is love such a complicated subject matter? Welcome to Speaking of Love, the podcast, and I am your host, LaToya. I created this podcast in honor of my dad, who was an acclaimed television broadcast engineer and an award-winning sports radio show host. You see, my dad was an amazing guy who achieved levels of success that most people only dream of. He was a star in the public eye, but behind closed doors, my dad endured private struggles. And on March 2nd, 2020, my dad passed away tragically. And now, life for me will never be the same. So I created this podcast as a platform for spreading love in honor of the greatest man I've ever known. My father, Herman McAlpin Jr. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Speaking of Love, the podcast. I am your host, LaToya. And today is my favorite day of the week, Saturday, because I get to be here in front of you all to spread love. Today, I have a beautiful guest all the way from Canada. Her name is Junie. Junie, I'm so happy to have you here. I'm going to give you all a brief introduction of Junie. Junie is an author, playwright, psychotherapist, international speaker, workshop facilitator, and professional writing coach who has spent the last 30 years guiding thousands of students in writing and sharing their life stories. She sees the therapeutic process and the creative process as one. She shares her own challenges and successes with her clients and students, helping them connect their connectivity, creativity, and healing through the written word and other marionettes. Thank you so much for being here today, Joni. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Latoya. How are you? I am doing wonderful. Uh, how are, how's the weather over in Canada? It's a bit cool today. I'm just looking out the window. Um, yeah, it's a bit cool. This fall is almost in the air. Hoping we'll have an Indian summer. Oh, hopefully we will. Uh, Junie, talk to me about your website here. I have been reading more about you, and you have dedicated your life to serving others. Can you talk to me about how this started for you? Uh, it started in a very unsuspecting way, to be honest with you. From the time I was quite young, people I'd never met started telling me their life stories, and they would say to me, I've never told anyone that before. And I'm thinking, well, why are they telling me? And then after a while, I stopped asking because it just became the norm. And I knew there was something in me they could trust. I, um, I have always been someone that um, cares about people very deeply. And so people feel safe. And so um, it just led me in a very circuitous way to, to choose the career that I, I have. Um, as a psychotherapist, as a, uh, a coach. Um, and writing was always my thing um, as a kid. I wasn't, um, it, it just became years, years ago. We didn't call them journals, we called them diaries. And, um, and we just spilled everything out into those diaries. And um, for me anyway, some, for some it was a fad, but for me it was a place where I felt safe that I could express myself. And I 
I came to know the, the value of the pen and the paper and how, how it transformed how I would be feeling. And so, of course, I started using it in my therapy practice and I became a writing coach um, at the same time. I started facilitating writing groups over 30 years ago. And because of the extraordinary creative value and cathartic value. So now you you've you've talked about being a writing coach. Can you explain to me the benefit? How do people benefit from your services as a writing coach? Well, people they benefit because writing is a most extraordinary healing modality, gift, really. And many people don't really know that. And it only becomes that when we can toss out all the rules we learned in school. Um, when we're in the creative process, don't worry about spelling, punctuation, grammar, syntax, any of that stuff. Just write it the way you feel it. Just say it the way it's true for you. And when you do, and you let the writing do the writing, uh, uh, clarity just comes up and things that you didn't even know you were thinking came up because you're using a different type of brain. You're accessing the unconscious part of you that has been hidden and things will just surface and you can see them, work them out, acknowledge what's really going on and feel the feelings and transform. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I used to be a person who kept a journal and I sometimes go back and I read those journals from several years ago and I look and I think, wow, I've made a lot of progress in my life in terms of becoming a stronger person. So just looking back at some of the emotions I used to share and the feelings and the internal conversations I would have with myself as a 25 year old, you know, now I can look back 20 years later and say, wow, I'm glad that I was able to have this written history of the person that I used to be. So writing is definitely a healthy tool for us to have. Thank you for sharing your gift with us. Pleasure, pleasure. I'm stuck on the fact that you said 25 years ago or something like that. <laughs> yes, yes. I'll, um, actually, I'll be 46 years old on Monday. So I've had a long life and I've uh, experienced a lot in my life, good, bad, ugly, and indifferent. But through it all, I am here spreading love with the beautiful Joni all the way from Canada. <laughs> right back at you. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your book, Rewrite Your Life. What is What was the inspiration behind that book? And what is the goal for a person who picks up the book? What do you want to achieve by writing that book? Um, okay, so that was the first book I wrote. And um, it, interestingly enough, um, it, it, it was a stop and go process for a while. And the point of it, uh, I was starting, I had already been facilitating writing groups and they were called Sacred Stories Celebrating Your Life Journey. And, and then when I wrote the book, I called it Rewrite Your Life, a Transformational Guide to Writing and Healing the Stories of Our Lives. So it was based on the, on the workshop. But, it's really an opportunity for people to use writing as the medium to work through pain from the past where they're still stuck about an incident that happened years ago, in some cases 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, where people can't seem to get past a, a, you know, a tragic event or something that happened. And so it's a way of using that process to help people 
to come to a place of peace with it, to come acceptance, peace, and live in today, and live in the energy that, that of today, where today is it's all we have, and mm -hmm. make it something meaningful and beautiful, and give it purpose, and, and come alive again. And so I've watched that transformation for now over 30 years. And although the book's only been out for, I don't know, 15 or so. Now, Joni, uh, as a psychotherapist, what would you what would you say is the main reason that causes people to hold on to their past? Like it seems that to be that the past is such a hard thing to let go of. Why do you believe that is so? Well, I think it has to do one with low self esteem, and I think I, that's the thing that I have seen across the board, no matter how much somebody has accomplished. And um, if people are you see, something bad can happen, and when it, um, and when it's over, when that event finishes, often people just go, "Thank God, it's over," and go on to their next next without reflecting about, you know, what what transpired. How did they move through it? You know, sometimes people just don't have any time there or mm -hmm. the time, and they're they're just dancing as fast as they can to just survive. And often um, we don't take account for all the, anything else in our own survival skills. And we can still be running a, a tapes, um, programs from when we were young. You know, when we're young, between birth and seven or eight years of age, is when we kind of determine what the world is like. That's when we start making decisions and that's when we about what it is and we, we, we run our life that way. And in order to protect ourselves, we get these, you know, we, 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 we find ways just to be safe in the world. And so they're defense mechanisms. And unless we are learning as we're moving forward and growing as we and learn from the things that have happened to us and choose a different way of, of responding to situations, we're still, that, that seven-year-old's still running the bus. And mm -hmm. so we're still thinking that the world isn't a safe place to be. And we're exploding onto people that, that have nothing to do with something that happened way long ago. And because we still have the mindset of this hurts. And so um, it's really hard to, 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 to untether ourselves from those belief systems and find a different way of seeing the same situation. But you know, Victoria, until we do, um, we're stuck, we're frozen in time. Yes, yes we are. Until we meet someone like you who can come along and give us the tools and educate us on how to grow beyond that. You have dedicated your life to serving other people. You're a psychotherapist. You're a life coach. Where did this inspiration come from and why have you decided to use your life as an instrument for lifting other people's lives? Uh because it makes me feel good. It's really self-serving. <laughs> That's the short answer. And the bigger answer, the you know, is that I've always had mentors and teachers and people along the way um, who have extended their hands and their heart to me. 
and um, and you don't forget those times. You you, you know I um, by uh, <laughs> there, but the grace of God go I. I mean I I, I shouldn't even be on the planet for the amount of times that um, things have happened to me um, by others or um, or by my own hand where I have not wanted to live, and um, and I have. I'm nowhere near that person I used to be. I was diagnosed with bipolar illness when I was 20. My young life was uh, a revolving door in and out of psychiatric hospitals, um, mental health wards, and it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't easy. It wasn't pretty. But there was always one person, even in those situations, that somehow sought me out and let me know I was more than my diagnosis and my prognosis. And they helped me to believe in myself, even, even in those times. And, you know, it just propelled me forward. And um, it was just something that came naturally to want to do. And so I studied, um, I, I, I first, I first started, started off as a writer and, and uh, in ad agencies type of thing. And um, I don't know, doing a commercial for cornflakes didn't have as much hope <laughs> uh, for me. And, um, uh, and I, I knew that wasn't it. And then I became a court reporter. I mm. was in courts in downtown City Hall, Toronto, listening to, uh, you know, uh, painful cases and it just wasn't for me. I'm not the kind of, I don't have, I'm too sensitive. I don't have whatever it takes to be in an adversarial environment every day. <laughs> yes, I'm the same way. I'm a very sensitive person, sometimes a little hypersensitive, sensitive, if I can say so. Uh, but Joni, I look at you mm -hmm. and you're a beautiful person. You radiate love. Uh, I see your work. What do you love most about your life right now? everything isn't that a beautiful place to be in oneself i i've worked hard at becoming who i am and i i i speak my truth i walk my talk the people in my life reflect the same as me we're all you know my um david my partner we we, we say we collect hearts and so you're, you're you're part of our family. You're part of our heart family now, Latoya. We do. Aww. So you know, there's very little drama in my life. We just don't want to see it. I don't watch the news. We don't watch the news. Um, it's been a painful time. I absorb stuff anyway, and it's impossible not to know what's going on anyway if you open up your computer. So, but I don't focus there. I focus on what's possible as opposed to what 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 is right in front of us. I, I focus focus on on you know feeling good, and and I I find ways a million ways to feel grateful every day, and so I have to say that I I love my life. I love the work I do. I love. Uh, what I do when I'm not working, and I've, I'm getting better at finding a balance between the two. I'm not as much of a workaholic as I used to be. It's still extreme, but it's better. Now, Junie, you've mentioned that you don't watch the news, and we're all experiencing a hard time right now with the pandemic and things of that nature. 
Can you talk to me a little bit about your life uh, during this time and what have you learned most about yourself during during this pandemic? Thank you for asking that question. Uh, <laughs> I'm a force to be reckoned with. Um, <laughs> I, If I feel compelled to do something, I'll find a way to do it. I'm very resilient. So before the uh, COVID hit, um, here where I live, there's um, many uh, seniors' homes. And I had uh, just at that time had um, acquired contracts in several of them to work uh, with the people in there to help them write their memoir. And it was very exciting. And then, of course, uh, COVID hit and nobody's going into seniors' homes, um, especially, and still, still today. Um, and so I, I, I lost a huge amount of my work. I mean, that was basically uh, what I, and I hadn't done work online. I do have my rewrite to reignite your life as a self-study program online, but I'm not a techie. And that's been there for a long time. And I encourage people to, you know, check it out if they, they're wanting to. What we were talking about before of, of how we can heal the past. But in any case, I didn't know what to do, but I'm grateful that my work can translate onto online programs. So I learned how to get an author mentorship program online. And so now I'm do, I've done two, I'm starting a third one. So people from all over the world have been writing their books, several oh. are published. And so I learned how resilient I am even in a time of, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? How are we gonna pay the rent? Um, all of that, I mean, this is my, uh, David's one of his magnificent paintings, but people aren't buying paintings these days. Um, not the ones we know anyway. <laughs> so, um, but in any case, I, I also learned what I've always known, and that is it's not just me. People are so creative. They're so inventive. This time of COVID has, you know, when everything we know or thought we knew or came to trust that this is the way life is, when all of those things get taken away, you have to reinvent yourself. I've seen more creative explosion during these months or year and a half or whatever it's been than ever. When you have to do something, you know, um, you do it. You find a way. And many people are finding ways to be who they've always wanted to be or do what they've always wanted to do. And um, that's very exciting. Yeah, the pandemic has definitely been a time of self-discovery for me, especially because uh, my dad passed away right at the beginning of the pandemic, like a, maybe about a week before the shutdown started. So it's definitely been a time of transformation. Uh, Joni, I am here on your website and you have a quote here and I'd like for you to elaborate on this quote a little bit. It says, when a person is afraid in their lives um, with, I'm sorry, when a person is afraid and lives with anxiety or depression, just walking out the front door could be a huge triumph. Can you elaborate on that quote a little bit and let, let me know what exactly you're displaying with it? Absolutely. You know, we can go and I, you know, I talk about creativity during the pandemic um, as, as, as being uh, 
an amazing thing because I think we're creative people. We have an impulse to create. And when we're not, something in our spirit dies. But at the same time, it's not always possible for anybody to be that creative. We lose it. And when we do, we can just uh, end up feeling like, you know, walking out the front door is, is, is almost impossible. Even though we know that if we did, if we went for a walk, we would feel better, it sometimes can't get out of bed. Just that sad, that depressed, that filled with anxiety, that afraid. And, and so it takes a tremendous amount of courage sometimes to take that baby step, to even take that, was to get up, take a shower, do the things that um, one thing a day even, you know, that is going to contribute to um, making yourself feel better. Yes. Better. And I think the most important ingredient in that is a willingness. And I think that the humans are so, um, you know, there's an we have this indelible spirit that keeps us going no matter what. We want to live. We want to breathe. We want to, we want to keep going even if we're afraid of it, even if we're sitting there lying there with the covers over our head. Um, there's something that pushes us, compels us to get out of bed. And, um, and we do. One, you know, there, there's a billion stories across the internet of people who have surmounted unbelievable challenges. Yeah. Right? You think, how did that person get from there to where they are now? How did Nelson Mandela, how did the average, even people we don't know, who are just out there doing their thing. And when you think about them, they're feeding their kids and they're a single parent and they're, and, and they, and they're volunteering between you know, everything else at hospice or the children's hospital or somewhere. And you think, wow. And you think about their, and look at you. Look at you, Latoya. After such a tragedy, totally unexpected. Mm -hmm completely out of left field to have that kind of shock. It's and definitely life-changing. Correct. And not everybody would take something like that to have this kind of circumstance with the, where your dad, I, you know, whatever he was suffering behind closed doors, and I know that place where you can put on a smile and nobody knows. And, and so it's, you're the last to know, oh my God, I had no idea, um, right? Because that's not the persona they, they, they show. And yet you chose under these terrible circumstances, horrific circumstances to honor your dad and spread love because that was his, who he was. Mm -hmm. for yes. keeping his legacy alive and um, I know he's very proud of you and you can be very proud of you because that's what this world needs right um, yes. what the world needs now is, is love, love sweet love 
Yes, thank you for saying that, Junie. Thank you so much. It's not easy to come before an audience every week with the mission that I have because of the tragedy at hand with my father and um, the murder of his wife. I don't speak about her very often because I don't have permission from her family. But what I do know is when a person commits a murder-suicide, there's a lack of love somewhere that causes the individual to make such a horrific act. And I know that the brain is not healthy. I'm learning more about that as well. But it all stems from a lack of love. And my father had a lot of love around him, but because of the problems in his life, he wasn't able to receive the love that was right at his grasp. So, you know, things have happened. And my purpose, my aim, my mission, my goal is to just bring more love into the world. You know, if there was a podcast available that my dad could have watched the day before or the day of his passing, maybe, you know, things could have been different. I wouldn't have to you know, the situation would have been different and maybe he could still be alive. So my hope is that if there's anyone in that place where my father was the day that he committed suicide, maybe they can hear this podcast and go forward and stay awake and live a little bit longer. And that's my hope. And Junie, you're helping me achieve my goal by being here today. And I truly appreciate you for doing that. Mm, Thank you. You know, we, we never know. Uh, what what words get spoken that land. Yes. Yes. And for for the audience, Junie is an author, a playwright, psychotherapist, international speaker, workshop facilitator, professional writing coach. She is a chameleon woman. She has so many accolades behind her name. And I'm going to post her website here. If anyone would like to reach out to Junie, her website is Junie. J-U-N-I-E-S-W-A-D-R-O-N.com. I have it posted here. Um, Junie, I want to know the million-dollar question on Speaking of Love, the podcast. I created this podcast, as we've mentioned before, in honor of my father. And I want to know about love. Speaking of love is the name of this podcast. My father had a radio show many years called Speaking of Sports. And he was a he was an expert in the field of sports. Well, I know nothing about sports. I think I'm the expert in the field of spreading love. So I have to ask you, Junie, how do you define love? Love. How do I define love? Love is so encompassing and so many things can uh, contribute to feelings of warmth and kindness and generosity. And sometimes I don't think it can be defined. You know, there's so many different kinds of love, but, you know, for me, you know, um, Sometimes love is so instant. It's instant for me uh, with certain music that just mm-hmm. brings up a feeling inside of me that is like, I just, wow. Um, looking into a child's face, you know, um, believe it or not, even my budgie birds, <laughs> you know, these tiny little birds that, that sing, they don't know how to do anything else, so they sing. And, you know, there's just so many things that inspire feelings of, of, of feeling safe in the world, feeling good in the world, feeling on top of the world. 
an act of kindness, generosity. That I don't know. I'm probably not defining it very well, but to me, it's so many things that make our hearts swell. And you know, a smile, a smile. You said something very profound before. You said, "Excuse me," I, um, um, and that was that. Even though your dad had so much love being shown to him, there were so many people that loved him. He was held in high esteem. He didn't feel it. He didn't receive it, were your words. He didn't know how to receive it. And I think that there's a certain time, a certain point, this has been true for me and other people that I, I've worked with uh, as a psychotherapist as well. I'll talk a lot about the book writing, but as a therapist, is that especially when something shifts in our brain chemistry and that would cause somebody to, to take their lives or take the lives of someone else, it's not something that you would do rationally, right? You might think it in your brain, oh, that SOB, I just want to go and shoot him. You don't, you don't, right? Um, I always say, if you're really angry at somebody, get it out in your pad and paper, <laughs> rip it up, don't send them the letter. But basically, when something happens, and it's like a, you cannot receive, you can have a million people tell you how amazing you are, but if you don't hear it, and you don't feel it, you can't feel the love, you don't believe it. Instead, you feel like a burden, you feel like you're long and that's the tragedy and so you know I've, I've been to the uh, celebrations of life for people who have taken their life and people who have had you know belong to my club of bipolar and it's you know what I, I guess a message that I want to say is that please don't ever think you didn't do enough you didn't say enough. If only you had done this, that, or the other. You did enough. You, you, you know, it's the, like you said, very wise. That person yeah. Did. yeah. You know, that's yeah. the thing about suicide and sudden death. It's that it leaves the people behind that love you with a lot of guilt, with a lot of regrets. You know, I know that for me and different people in my family, behind my father's passing, we all are living with some sort of regret, guilt, because we, we wonder what, what did we miss or what could we have done to change the situation? So living with that, it, it can be really a challenge at times. Absolutely, you're not alone in that. But one of the things that I have found to be incredibly effective um, is two things actually. And that is one for each of us alone, and in your case, um, with your family members who, who might be interested to do it. Um, but first of all, to be able to write a letter to your dad. Write a letter, dad, you know, I miss you. Um, I'm so sad that this happened. I wished I had known. Whatever's there, but dad, I'm angry. Why did you do this? anything, whatever's true. Um, I, 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 I just want you to know how much I love you, whatever that happens to be. And then because you're a family where this shock happened, 
and you're all living with some sort of remorse, each of you to share your letters together. It is so fulfilling. I've, I've, I've had people experience that and it's changed the whole trajectory of going forward. Oh, I love that idea, Joni. I love it. Uh, my sisters and I have two sisters and um, the three of us, we got together recently and we went to have breakfast and we talked about our dad and we laughed and, you know, had a great time. But I will definitely offer that as a suggestion. The next time we get together, each of us bring a letter and read it to each other. And it's a safe place. You know, we're sisters, we're bonded, we love each other. So there won't be any criticisms or judgments or things like, like that. So I really appreciate you for offering that suggestion. I'm, de I'm, I'm definitely going to try that and see if that can help us to get beyond a little bit of the pain that we're left with. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I've seen. I've seen. I've seen the results of it again and again and again. And I personally, that's a whole other subject. Believe your father will be right there hearing every word. Yes, thank you. Thank uh, you for saying that. He's there with every podcast, every speaking of love podcast that you do. Yes, uh, right behind me here. <laughs> I yeah. was just. I was talking to my friend, his name is Lee, and he actually gifted this photograph of me and my dad. Uh, the original picture was taken on my 40th birthday. I was at my dad's apartment and we took the selfie together. And my friend had this photograph made for me. And I just love it because when I'm here, as I'm speaking to you right now, it, it looks like my dad is actually looking at me. And you know, I know his personality, so he's like geeked up, he's all happy. And this photo is really, it, it gives me a sense of peace to have this. And I just, I believe it's one of my life's greatest gifts is to have this photograph behind me. And um, I love it. I love it's it. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. It says so much. And it's Doesn't perfect. it look like he's a part of the podcast? <laughs> he's right there. His energy is just beaming out love. I mean, that's his essence, right? He's, yes, he's, yes, I love it. The two of you are just completely, you know, head by head, side by side, loving one another, and it's just such a moment of joy. And so, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, Junie, I want to know a little bit more about you. Talk to me about your your. Is there a person in your life, past or present, who helped you become the person that you are today? One of the people that came, comes to mind right now is uh, somebody who's passed on. Her name, her name was Davida, and she became a friend of mine um, when we were in our twenties. And she was—we were so unlike each other, completely unlike each other. Um, uh, I mean, Davida was this um, very tall, buxom, redhead, fiery Leo, and um, and she. Um, she was part of the cultural scene in Montreal. That's where I lived at the time. And um, we, the place that we met was through poetry. And I had absolutely no self-confidence in my 20s. <laughs> and uh, it took a lot of decades before I felt any of that anyway. But she was one of the people that helped me to attain it because she was also an educator. And she, she reflected back to me what I was capable of. Capable of. When I was a child and went to school, um, 
I, I was bullied a lot and I was shamed a lot and I was shamed by teachers and I was told I was stupid and that I would never amount to anything. And that was a message I used to get at home as well. So I felt pretty, um, it wasn't the only message I got at home. I mean, it was very crazy making. I, you know, I was loved and at the same time I was told a lot of other things too. So um, I, I was very uh, self-conscious and I quit, I quit school. I quit school in high school um, in grade 10 after a very, uh, after a friend died um, and I didn't know how to, and it was at exam time and I knew I, I couldn't write exams so I failed and I quit. And I, and I never went back until I was in my 30s. And so the whole decade of the 20s, in fact, when I met Davidish, I lived in Montreal, but I was from Toronto. And that whole decade, I moved from city to city, country to country. And uh, it wasn't until the 80s that I came back and started to pretend I was grown up. And during that time, she had moved to Toronto as well back, uh, and, and helped me to see that I'm not who I thought I was and that I was a great writer and she was not somebody who was easy with compliments, especially when it came to academia. She encouraged me to go back to school and, um, and celebrated every success I had. And I had a lot of them. I learned I wasn't stupid, that I, my, I achieved great results and had great high marks. And it was her and her encouragement and her love for me that, um, that, that I, I'll, I'll always be grateful for. That's beautiful. It only takes one person to change our lives. That's it. You know, I know people who are involved in social media and people who run platforms like what I have, a podcast, they're so focused on the number of views or the number of likes and shares and things of that nature. But it only takes one person to get the message. It only takes one person to inspire us and to change our lives. So if I could just have one person watching my podcast or one person coaching me that's all we need it's not about big, it's not about big numbers it is not and you know there's a saying we'll probably you know screw it up but it's you know people come into our lives for you know a season a reason a season a lifetime and um and so it could be somebody that just said the right words that day mm -hmm. at the right moment and in the right moment and somebody might have been saying those words to you for a hundred years and it never really meant anything. But somehow that moment, like you said, the right moment in the right way, and you don't even see them. And it changes the whole trajectory of your life. It's like, wow. Yes. All right. So you're right. It just takes one. I mean, people say to me all the time, um, you know, what, what, what could I contribute in a book? You know, people will say to me, well, I want to write a book. Or so-and-so wants me to keep saying I have a story. I should, I should write a book. I said, well, what do you say? Well, you know, um, I, I, can't, I kind of want to, but, you know, what could I really say? And I say, well, what is it? Why is it that you want to? And then they start telling me things that they've lived. And I say, well, if, it's, if what you've lived could even change the life and make it easier for even one person, would you be willing to do it? And always the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. And I, I definitely, right, right. 
And that is often the, the, the greatest motivation that the people I work with um, write their books. And so the last book I wrote, which is Your Life Matters, and it's all about writing stories, your story, um, and finding the truth that your life matters, um, that's what I, I coach people to realize, and so that they can write a book that they're so proud of. Yeah. Right? That they feel really good. They're really standing tall in who they are. Now, if anyone wants to get a copy of any of your books, including the one, Your Life Matters, can we go to your website, JunieSwadron.com, and pick up a copy of it? Yep, you can. You, you definitely can. Or you can write me, and I can send you an autographed copy. Okay, and that's J-U-N-I-E-S-W-A-D-R-O-N.com. Junie, it's been a pleasure having you here. What's next for you? Are you working on any major projects coming soon? How much time have you got? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, David and I are working on a musical, um, which is really exciting. Um, and so hopefully within the next couple of years, um, we'll have that out in the world. It's all about transformation. Um, it's, 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 it's very fun. I'm working on... Ah, a couple of more books um, uh, that are uh, I'm very excited about. One is called um, "If You Only Knew." Dot dot dot. A book of letters, and what it is is writing letters to people who have influenced our lives, or, or and, uh, and it's kind of like a chicken soup for the soul book. Only it's letters written to you know grandma, written to to dad, written to your lover, written to your inner child, letters, you know, I, I, it would be extraordinary if we could uh, re, re, bring back the art of letter writing. Because yeah. now, you know, if, if somebody doesn't answer your text in a few seconds, um, you know, they don't like me. <laughs> right? You know, an email, it's like everything is like this. But there is such a beautiful, beautiful process that when you're writing a letter to somebody you're right there that person is right there talk about love right in your heart and you're writing that letter because you know even if that person isn't here anymore you know like Davida I wrote a letter it's already there for her in this book that's ready to be published or uh, readying itself to be published a publisher just said yes we would like it which I'm so grateful for uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Um, spotlight press. Um, so um, it's such a beautiful art. You write the letter. You put it in an envelope. You put a stamp on it. You put it in the mailbox. And then there's that anticipation. You know, you go to your mailbox. Oh, not today. Not today. Not today. Ah, it comes. And you know, and you go somewhere where it's alone. You're alone. You open it up. <laughs> Just, it's so incredible. I would love to 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 bring that back, especially now. You know, where people are not allowed to go into hospitals and homes where and there, where people are sick, you can't even go with your loved one if that person's in a hospital because of lockdown. Imagine them getting a letter. A yeah, letter, yeah. Right? 
I really enjoy writing letters, especially I have sticky notes. And so speaking of opening your mailbox, I have a mailman and my mailman's name is Randy. And you would think we were like best buddies from years and years ago. But what I do for Randy is I show my gratitude for him. So what I'll do is I'll leave a sticky note on my mailbox and it'll say something like, hey, Randy, there's a gift for you. Look to your left. And then there's an arrow pointing to your left. And then there's like a gift at the bottom with another note on it. So yesterday he wrote on the back of the note that I had written to him, thank you, you're the best. And he put like a little happy face on it. And I'm thinking, wow, people, we don't do this anymore. We have to get this back. And I also do the same thing at home for my daughter. You know, she does something special for me. I'll take a sticky note and put it on her purse, just saying, thank you for helping me with this or what have you. But yes, we definitely have to get back into letter writing. It's beautiful. Well, you just described what love is, okay? You just described <laughs> what love is. And you know what's fun that I love to do too is um, I will put little sticky notes in David's shoes or in a friend's purse when they come to visit or somewhere and write and just where it's totally unsuspected in a drawer. I'll do it for myself. You know, I'll forget. I'll put something. I love you. And I open, you know, I pick up a sweater and then, oh, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> great. Oh, great. Great. Her name is Junie Swaldron. If anyone is interested in reaching out to her, please do so. Go to her website. That's J-U-N-I-E-S-W-A-D-R-O-N. She is amazing, and I'm going to let you go, but I do have one more question before I before we end the podcast today, Junie. I look at you. You are a phenomenal woman. You're very successful. You're smart. You're sweet, but aside from all that, you are walking in your gift. You have a gift, and you're sharing it with the world, and I truly admire people like you who are using their lives to enhance the lives of other people. And I just want to thank you for being here on Speaking of Love today. And before I let you go, I have one last question. When the pages of your life are reviewed and your mission on earth here is complete, what do you most want to be remembered for? What legacy are you leaving? I hope, that it's, I hope my legacy is kindness. My religion is kindness. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And I love you. And I would love to reciprocate and have you on my Soul Connections podcast. Oh, I would love to be there. I would love to be there. Please, we will connect on that at the end of the podcast. I would love to be a part of of your mission, I would, and I thank you for embracing mine and being a part of it and, and just accepting the invitation on short notice. I truly appreciate that. It's an honor to have you here today and I bow to your excellence, Junie. Thank you so much for being here on Speaking of Love. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience before we conclude? Go out and spread love. Yes, definitely. Thank you, Junie. Thank you, everyone, for watching today. This was my 63rd episode of Speaking of Love. 
the podcast. And I'm just so grateful to have this platform here. I'm thankful for Junie. And I will be back here next Saturday at 12 o'clock noon. I have Soraya Hastings coming on. She was on my platform before in the very early stages of my podcast to talk about human trafficking and how she survived. And we're going to do a follow-up story with her because her podcast interview was um, very, very popular and a lot of people want to know how she's doing. So she'll be back next Saturday here at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Standard Time. And if you've missed any portion of this recording, it's available on YouTube. It's available on any major podcast platform that you choose. And of course, it's available here on Facebook. So thank you all for being here and I will see you all next Saturday. Have a great day, everyone.